Welcome to the Love Lab podcast, a safe place to get real about sex. Whether you're a man, woman, single or couple, this is the show for you because, well, sex matters. We are your hosts, Kevin Anthony and Céline Rémy. Welcome back, everyone. This is episode number 24 of the Love Lab podcast. And today we have a really exciting, juicy subject to talk about. We are curious about whether technology is destroying your relationship and your sex life. Let's just say it now. It is. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you're not paying attention, you most likely are letting technology destroying your your sex life and your relationships. Yes. Yeah. And so what what we're going to talk about today is some of the ways in which it can affect your relationship. Mm -hmm. We'll give you some statistics about how it's, it's affecting your relationship. So you're not just... You know, hearing our opinion, oh, we think it does this. Like mm-hmm. there, are, there have been a lot of studies on it on how it can affect your relationship and your sex life. So we'll talk a little bit about that, and then we'll give you some strategies for how to avoid the trap. Absolutely. I don't know if you've ever been on a date with somebody and you're like really looking forward and to spending some quality time with them and you're sitting there at the restaurant and then they have their phone uh, all the time. They're constantly ch- checking messages and they're like, oh, sorry, I just, I really have to do that. And you're like, hello, I'm here in front of you right now. Like, can't you connect with me? Well, I had that scenario happen and it sucks. It's so highly ironic <laughs> that... All of this technology, it's actually designed to make us more connected. Mm-hmm. And that's what we hear all the time. We hear about the connected lifestyle, right? <laughs> Everything's connected. We're all connected, no matter how far away we are. And the reality is, is it's actually making us less connected. Now, I'm a technology guy. I'm really good with technology. I actually do technology uh, all the time. I used to do it for full-time living as a career, and I'm not against technology. (laughs) But technology has its limitations. Mm -hmm. And we have to be careful not to lose our humanity to the technology. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, we love to... So Tuesdays are date nights and we sometimes go out and we love to just look around and see like, where are the couples at? Are they holding hands? Are they looking into each other's eyes? Well, unfortunately, most of the time we see couples that look like they are on a date night, each on their phone. <laughs> a lot. And, and You'll see whole families it. on their phones out in public, not paying any attention to themselves or anything else around them. Oh, I don't get it. Sometimes people are even texting each other when they're right next to one another. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> anyway. Well, I, I don't know that we need to talk too much about, uh, you know, what we observe, because I'm pretty sure that everybody else sees the same thing. Well, I just but, really wanted to make sure people are aware of yeah. the things that are going on. So even if you're thinking, hey, I'm not so much on my phone, or I don't, like, I'm like, take a really good, honest look at it. Yeah, and, and if you don't want to look at yourself, <laughs> just, just look around at other people, <laughs> see what they're doing. At some point, you'll inevitably realize that you do a lot of the same things. <laughs> but let's, let's just talk for a, a moment about what some of the research says on this. So uh, some of you may have heard this. It made its way around the internet, uh, all over the internet, that a new study said that um, humans have a shorter attention span than a goldfish, that a study that was done showed that 
Uh, goldfish have a nine-second attention span, and humans now fell from 12 seconds down to eight seconds, less than a goldfish. What? You know, I know some people that do have less than a goldfish <laughs> attention span. <laughs> but I would say that's probably not the average, and there's been enough articles since then to show, well, maybe that's really not the case. Honestly, nobody really knows what the average attention span is because the studies done on it really aren't very good. Mm-hmm. And people also aren't really sure how useful an average attention span statistic really is anyway. But having said that, so now that we've just sort of cleared that out of the way that we're not necessarily referencing that study, although it is kind of funny. (laughs) (laughs) Set a goal. Have a higher attention span than a goldfish. (laughs) It's a pretty low goal. But yeah, I mean, if you're less than a goldfish, then aspire to be better than a goldfish. (laughs) If you're better than a goldfish, aspire to be a little bit closer to human. (laughs) But, you know, just to throw out a couple of quick stats about technology Mm -hmm. use and, and how it affects our attention span. So the first one is the average user picks up their phone more than 1,500 times a week. That's an average of three hours and 16 minutes a day. Wow, imagine the sex you could have had. (laughs) Well, but that's not a joke, and that's why we're discussing this today, right? Because how many times have we heard from clients that they don't have Have time? time. Exactly. They don't have time. At the end of the day, we just don't have time. Bullshit. You have time. Put down the damn phone. Well, I just had that conversation with a client and I said, it's not that you don't have time. It's simply that you're choosing to not, it's priority, basically. Exactly. That's really where it comes down to. And so you have enough time to do other stuff like checking your phone, like watching TV, like doing like, you know, things that sometimes feel good because I mean, I'm not saying like, don't go online and check social media because it can help you unwind. But like, notice like how much time I had to monitor myself because I'm the type of person where social media doesn't really work for me. First of all, I compare myself and then I go like, wow, everybody else is so much better and like what's happening. So for my self-esteem, I tend to not feel as good after than I felt before. So that was my first step where I was like, wow, why would I do something that actually is not making me feel better? So I started to look and become more uh, selective of the posts I would see, the people that were in my um, friends and entourage there. And then the second thing that I noticed is that I can really go down the rabbit hole of like, hey, few hours down later and you still haven't done anything else but scrolling this infinite scrolling thing. And um, for me, I put a timer because then I I know that if I'm not vigilant, I will not pay attention. So I'm like, okay, I have 10 minutes. I put a timer and when it's over, it's over. Well, we have to understand that these technologies were designed specifically to be addictive. And there's been study after study. There's been uh, one of the top execs uh, from Facebook, if I recall correctly, uh, did an interview a while back where he's basically stating that they were intentionally designing it to be addictive. They knew it was addictive. Mm -hmm. You can read, if you Google um, Stories where uh, even Bill Gates uh, sets limits for his kids on how much technology they can use. Like the people who design it know that it's addictive because they've designed it specifically to be addictive. So, how can we avoid letting that happen? But before we really get to those strategies, let's just talk a little bit more about um, some studies and and uh, some okay. 
Yeah. So, so I, f- I found this one that I found was really cool. Okay, so it's uh, it's in Oxford University, and they found that um, couples who keep in touch too much via technology tend to have less satisfying marriages. And you're like, well, how can that be if they like they, they keep in touch? Well, basically, what they did, the study surveyed uh, social media used by 3,500 couples, and that included like Facebook, emails, texts, tweets. I mean, instant messages, you name it, basically, like the whole thing. And couples who used five or more electronic channels of communication reported an average of 14% less relationship satisfaction than couples who were less electronically connected. Yeah, because it's not the same connection. Oh, uh, no, it's not. And we know, we know couples, you know, we had a friend, uh, some friends tell us the other day that, that they're, they work together in the same house and they, uh, they, was it text or Twitter? I forget which Skype. one. Skype. Yeah. Back and forth from like the upstairs to the downstairs. Now, in, in some ways it was okay because they wanted to respect each other's boundaries. But then the question is how much of that is respecting boundaries and how much of it is I'm just too lazy to get up and walk downstairs and ask my wife a question. Or, well, I just don't really want to respect the boundary because how about setting a boundary that for 90 minutes you're undisturbed? If you have a pressing question, just write it down and wait 90 minutes. I mean, unless it's really like a... Like a extremely urgent matters but not there's really not that many if it's not write it down and then meet again after 90 minutes and be like okay i had these questions in that meantime talk to face to face so you know i see places where technology can be really helpful like you know you're physically out your way and you want to you want to just you know check in and say hey i love you or i'm thinking about you or send a sexier playful uh-huh. thing like celine does that a lot for me and I, that's fun. I enjoy that. I have another one that I think is really cool because yeah. uh, some of you might know I also have a YouTube channel. I make lots of cool videos and I was researching something for a video I was making on long distance relationship. And nowadays there are such cool stuff like vibrators that work that are remote control. Uh, I mean, that are controlled over wireless. That means that your partner can make that vibrator work and pulse and do all that the good things that it does through internet. So all you need is an internet connection. And I thought it was really cool and kinky because like technology can allow you to do some cool things if you're not like physically into like the same space you could still like set up a video and do like a really cool like little masturbation or like like participation because of wireless and that's cool so so there are some healthy uses for it as long as we know how to limit our use yes and 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 also understand that they're not an equal substitute for real physical connection and attention They're something that can be used when you can't have the real connection. Uh But your goal should always be to spend time physically with each other, Mm -hmm. looking into each other's eyes, talking to each other, touching each other. (laughs) Exactly. So let's just finish what they found in that study, right? Because there was a couple of things in there. Um, I think that's all from that particular study, really, that in that particular one. But some things that I wanted to like, there's like really four really big things that I wanted to bring up around um, technology and its effect. Mm -hmm. The very first one is around like how when you text, it could be such like so misinterpreted. Like people don't really get what you're trying to say. You don't have the right tone of voice. You don't have... Yeah, it's hard to get it. 
Let's let's uh, see a show of hands in the audience. <laughs> How many people have ever been misinterpreted over a text? <laughs> all right, every hand just went in the air. Right, I mean, it's happened to all of us probably more times than we can count, especially yes. if the topic that you're discussing over text is an emotional one mm -hmm. or a heated one or a technical one or it's just anything where... All of that nonverbal communication that we normally have, the expressions that our face mm -hmm. makes, the, the tone of our voice and the way we say something. I mean, you can say the same thing over text and it can be interpreted as a funny joke yes, or as a mean thing. Yes. And it's the same words mm -hmm. and it's all just how it's actually said. And all of that is completely lost. We did an episode on communication. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that we recommended in that episode was if you have anything that you need to communicate with your partner that is of a sensitive nature, you, ha you really need to do it in person. And, <laughs> and at very least over a voice-to-voice -voice connection. <laughs> never over text, never over email. You know, another thing too, that's uh, another point here is that there's there's more fights that happen because people tend to prefer to communicate via text and it's easier to be mean. And I see that a lot too. Like, you know, if you make a post on social media and people will automatically respond to it and criticize it, you know, there's going to be the people that are cheering you up like, yeah, this is awesome. And then always there's going to be somebody that's like saying something like not so positive. And it's easier for people because of the disconnection to say things a little bit harsher. And when you don't start to pay attention, it's very uh, vicious. If that's the type of energy you have in your relationship, it starts, words cannot be unheard and undone. And you got to be careful with the things that you say. Like, do they truly matter? Like, is it just because you're not in a good space? Like, is that something you would want your partner to still remember 10 years down the road? And if it's not, you need to like take a pause and be like, okay, what do I truly need? Actually, I want my partner to look at me or to talk to me. So maybe that text is not the best idea. Maybe that text should just say, come here and snuggle me. <laughs> <Or> like... <laughs> yeah, well, you know, this, this reminds me of, of something that I find is kind of a joke with, say, the legal system, right? Which is that when somebody says something in a courtroom that's supposedly inadmissible, They'll say, strike that from the record. Mm. But everybody heard it already. <laughs> Don't you, do, do you really think the jury's just going to completely wipe it out of their minds and never pay any attention to it? No, they heard it. Whether it's legally admissible or not, it's now influencing their opinion. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Which, of course, is why lawyers say things like that when they know it's going to be struck from the record because they just want the jury to hear it anyway. Yeah, and, and people don't realize that in relationship. It's actually very important to... Um, to give, like to talk to your partner in ways that that nurture and foster a beautiful energy between the two of you rather than little like bickering or mean mean things because those things eat away at the relationship. They, they take the energy of the relationship to a lower level. And over time, it's heavy to carry all of that. Mm -hmm. And so remember, like, especially when it comes to like fighting or having a disagreement, like have that in person, have that eye to eye, have that where you can snuggle up together and still touch each other. Because the first thing you want to do when you disagree is to pull away. 
And it's easier when you pull away to be hurt and to be mean. But when you're in front of the person, you, you just can't do that the same. And when we do that, we become more human again. Yeah. So let's just recap those four things real quick, just so that everybody's really clear. There's two more. We only covered oh, two. Sorry. <laughs> You're getting so, a little fast there, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. But you know, this is a perfect example, right? Because I just misinterpreted the show notes. Because <laughs> they are written down on our devices here. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I kind of went all over the place, so I know where I'm going. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> you lost me, but... <laughs> okay, so there's one more here. Um, okay, that one is huge, by the way. We, we briefly mentioned it earlier with the date, but checking things online interrupts your quality time together. Like, whether you're in the bedroom or you're at a, having dinner, I mean, maybe it's because I come from a European upbringing where we value quality time and let's say like meal times more maybe than in America. It's not so much like... I never got to sit in front of the TV, like dinners and lunch were sacred. Everybody had to sit. We had our particular places and we, we, we just talked. I mean, they're lengthy. They last at least an hour, which is unheard of here. But I do see the value of that. And if some people are always interrupting, like you just don't feel like you're getting all of them. They're not really fully committed here. And it just doesn't invite for good intimacy and connection. Well, no, you know, the whole point of being in a relationship is to establish intimacy and connection. Mm -hmm. You can't do that when you're always distracted. Mm -hmm. You just can't. That's true. I mean, we were fortunate enough that when we grew up, we didn't have all this technology. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing we had was a TV. Yeah. You know? And when I was growing up, that TV only had about five channels. (laughs) So... You know, it wasn't really all that much of a distraction. <laughs> but but what it did was it, it, it taught us some good habits. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, and the last one I really want to make is about virtual connection. Can't replace physical intimacy. And, you know, you're thinking you have so many friends because you've got a thousand friends there or, I don't know, 10,000 followers and people that care. Um, but... Ultimately, without touch as human being, we don't thrive. There's enough studies here that have been done around that, that touch is not a luxury. It's, it's an essential nutrient to our well-being. And in a relationship with somebody, whether it's your husband, your wife, your kid's boyfriend, however it is, if you don't give them the touch, the bond and the quality of that bond is not going to be the same. Yeah, I mean, touch is an essential part for an intimate relationship. I mean, even though your cute little emojis are so sweet, but it's not the same than a hand on my body. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not. And we'll talk a little bit uh, later on in the show about the the difference between being sort of stuck in your head in the virtual world and what it's like to really be embodied in your physical body. Mm -hmm. But we're not quite there yet. Okay. Well, so you wanted to do a little recap here of those four ways. Well, yeah, and and partly why I wanted to recap was because uh, I wasn't totally clear where we were, which was Uh very obvious by my jumping in ahead of time. (laughs) 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 But, you know, the feminine was just flowing like water, and she was going wherever she was going, and, and I was 
not keeping up. <laughs> <laughs> well, the bottom line is this. There is a dopamine rush. There are chemical things that happen in your body with technology, with social media that make us addicted. And it's sneaky. We don't always realize it. If we don't pay attention, we will be constantly spending more time looking at our devices that are our partners. And it's absolutely essential to restrain yourself and to put in place like good habits to foster good connection again and physical intimacy with the ones you're in. Exactly. So just to recap, number one, virtual connection can't replace physical intimacy. So this idea is that you have to be physically with somebody, spend time with them. Boom. Number two, messages can be really misinterpreted as we covered also, right? So things over digital, not the same as being face-to-face with a person. Three, checking things online interrupts your quality time together. So when you set aside quality time and you put the phone down, you don't pick it up till after the quality time. And four, more fights. People prefer to communicate via text and it's easier to be mean. So the idea is that uh, too much technology can actually create more fights and, and those fights can actually spiral more out of control um, because of the way people can be mean or this or that. So, so that's some of the... Uh, stats behind it, the research behind it, some of the problems that you can have. And we've alluded to a few of the solutions throughout Mm -hmm. the episode, but let's get really clear on how exactly do we avoid this? Mm -hmm. So first of all, you got to set dedicated time with our technology and maybe make some um, no technology zones. I think for me, the for us, the bedroom is a no technology zone. I think the worst thing you can have in your bedroom is a TV or a computer or tablets. And they're sneaky because you're like, oh, I'm reading on my tablets. But it's so easy to be reading on your tablets and then from there being on social media or on YouTube and like down again that rabbit hole. Yeah, and the idea is how much time you're spending on it, whether you're reading Mm -hmm. something or you're on social media. You know, the social media can be more addicting. Mm -hmm. But the, the real point is like, you know, for instance, we know another couple who the guy in the couple uh, every night uh, falls asleep in bed with his headphones on, you know, listening to something on the phone. And, you know, a lot of what he listens to, I think, is interesting stuff. It's business-related stuff. It's cool or stuff. Self-growth or, or self-growth or yeah. whatever. Or self-growth. And that's all awesome and amazing. The problem is, though, that if you do that every single night, that means every single night you're not connecting with your significant other. Yeah, and how do you think she feels there? She's like, I, I kind of want him to be with me. He's next to me, but he's not quite there. Yeah, so, so you can either make the bedroom a no-technology zone, which is what we do, mm-hmm. um, or you can at least say on certain nights it's a no-technology mm-hmm. zone. Like, you know, Tuesday and Thursday nights, like, <laughs> we do not, you know, go to sleep on the phone. We... We talk, we connect, we touch, Mm -hmm. we cuddle, whatever it is. And it will feel awkward at first because remember we were saying like it's about three hours and 16 minutes a day that we check our phones. Like it's like a habit. It's so ingrained that it's becoming really hard to like stop it. So first you kind of gonna be like, oh, I want to go check for my phone or oh, I need to tweet this or I need to to take a photo so I can post it. And you're going to be like, oh, how about I just enjoy the moment? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And if you have a really good photo op, you can take a photo, take the photo, put the phone down, you can post it on social media later. (laughs) Sometimes I do that. You know, I catch her in just the right pose. (laughs) And then the the no technology zone too could be like when you're eating, like don't even have the phones on the table, like share a meal together. Because in the old times, that's how 
families connected. That's how information was being exchanged. That, that was the most important time of the day because that's basically, that was the social media news feed right there, was, was the mealtime where everybody got to update everyone and you could hear about gossips and you could hear about everything, you know? Yeah. And the idea is to just set aside time where you're giving your partner your undivided attention. Mm-hmm. And, and we talk about this in a lot of our episodes in the work that we do mm-hmm. about setting aside a date night. Yes. Right. Taking a say this night or these nights, if you're lucky enough to have enough time to have more than one, mm-hmm. that we're going to spend dedicated time together. It means we're not necessarily going to watch a movie. I mean, you mm-hmm. could go out to a movie or something, but you know, like it's going to be one-on-one time mm-hmm. where you're actually connecting with the person. Mm-hmm. And so the technology stops when that starts and it can pick up afterwards but during that time Mm -hmm. it should be connection and i think that i'd like to wrap up this show today with talking about how to get out of your head like because okay you're constantly used to having distraction or new input coming to you that means that's how you operate. And then you're always looking for the next exciting thing to focus on, to, to stay awake, to get turned on to whatever that is. And for a lot of people, then, you know, especially for women, we have this thing called uh, diffuse awareness, where we can have all these different things going at once into our brains. And it's really hard. Let's say you're going to make love with your partner and then you're thinking about your to-do list and the thing you're going to pick up at the dry cleaner and... Um, the fact that you have not yet vacuumed this or that that client. I mean, it's a it's it's a never-ending list. And because we're constantly in doing or taking care of that fire that we have to like take care of, it's really hard to shift from that like doing all the time into more of that like being into the moment, into the lovemaking. Yeah, so there's, it can be hard to shift from always having constant input and this flood uh-huh. of information and things. And then there's the other idea of, well, I'm multitasking. Let's <laughs> let's let's just let's just call multitasking what it is. Bullshit. Multitasking doesn't truly exist. Even if you're a woman and you have diffuse awareness, there really is no such thing. I'm going to relate it to the computer world since that's a big part of my background. So uh, in the early days before we had multiple processors, uh, they were trying to figure out a way to make computers go faster. So um, they came up with this idea of um, uh, threading. And actually, there's even another term for it. It's so long ago, I'm I'm forgetting it at the moment because uh, I didn't plan on bringing up this example. Uh, I think it was hyper-threading, actually. So basically, um, what they were doing was they were making the computer, instead of only being able to process one thing, making it process more than one thing, which sounded really cool. Wow, now my processor can do more than one thing at a time. But that's not really the way that it worked. See, it used to be that the processor would have one task, and it would do everything sort of linearly. And then when they came up with this new technology, they said, oh, now you can do two. But it was never doing two or three or four in parallel. It would hold two or three or four things, and then it would process a little bit of this one, and then switch over and do a little bit of that one, and then switch over and do a little bit of this one. So it gave the illusion Mm -hmm. that all of these things were happening simultaneously. But the processor itself was only ever really doing one thing at a time. Mm -hmm. The reason why that's important is because that's what your brain does too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, really... 
right? Yeah. It can't really focus and do two or three things at the exact same time. It'll do a little bit of this one, a little bit of that one, a little yeah. bit of that one, and it makes it appear that they're all happening at the same time. Yeah. But it's really a distraction. And they've done study after study in, in uh, the corporate world about multitasking and whether or not it improves efficiency. No. And every time they do one of these studies, they find out that sure enough, it actually hurts efficiency. It does not help efficiency. So what I've noticed is that you have to be okay with the fact that you have a monkey mind and monkey brain. And so let's say we're starting to make love and I'm thinking about those other stuff. So what I'm choosing to do is not to judge myself that I have thoughts, but to be like, okay, there are thoughts and I'm going to watch them like a train passing by. I'm not going to jump on the train and fix those thoughts and direct where they're going. I'm just going to watch them go by. And to be honest, some days it's really difficult and I have to remind myself that I have to stick with it long enough because there is a point, a tipping point. And usually it's about the 20 to 30 minutes mark into the lovemaking where I don't care anymore about the to-do list, where I don't care about the timing or, or what's happening, where I can drop into that zone of really being present. But if I've worked really hard, if I had a lot of workload, it's really difficult to shift. And so I don't blame and judge myself for it. I give myself permission to be like, this is difficult. I'm always bringing my attention back to my body, back to my breath. And I know that the time and the tipping point is coming and I stick with it. And I think that's what people lack in is the... Um, diligence, <laughs> the willpower to stick with it because the tipping point does come through. And once it does, none of these other things matter. And you are in that moment and you are present and you are out of your head and you're into the experience in the body of the moment with your partner. Yeah. And so, you know, we all have, as they say in certain spiritual traditions, the monkey mind and thoughts come and thoughts go and we shouldn't attach too much to them. We shouldn't try to solve them all in the moment, especially if they're not even relevant to that particular moment. This is where something like a meditation practice can really help. Yes. And there might be some people listening who are like, oh, meditation, that's like that weird esoteric stuff that <laughs> only like strange people from foreign countries do. But Honestly, all it really is is a practice to help quiet your mind and calm down so that you can then really focus on the things that you want to focus on. So we highly recommend it. Um, we've put together some meditations. You have a meditation on uh, your site mm -hmm. um, that can be really helpful. Uh, we have some uh, meditation practices in our Power and Mastery Absolutely. courses. Because really so much of... of uh, how we operate in the world is dictated by what's happening in our head. Mm -hmm. And one of the number one things that we see with clients, especially male clients, we see it with women too, but a little bit more with male clients where they say, okay, I, I, I've done the training, I've read all your stuff, you know, I've worked with you, I have the tools, I do the practice, but I still like, I'm still thinking about I can't do this and this and it's not working and it's like all caught up in their head. Mm -hmm. And so learning how to quiet that mind and then pulling it back into the body by actually being physically present with mm -hmm. the person and connecting with them eye to eye and maybe sharing some breaths, speaking, touching each other, mm -hmm. pulling it back from being stuck up in the head down into the physical body is a sure way to have better connection, more intimacy, and more sex. 
<laughs> I say yes to all of that. <laughs> <laughs> Any last words, Celine, before we wrap up this show? Because I know we are getting late. No. Uh, well, the last word is if you're not yet, if you haven't joined the Sex Vault, um, just make sure you do so. At the end of the episode, we'll let you know how to do that so you can have access to all of these really cool free meditations to help you drop into your body more. And have more intimacy and more sex and better sex too. <laughs> we hope you like this episode of the Love Lab podcast. If you enjoyed this show, leave a comment and share it with your friends. And if you want more, we have an entire digital library with the best sex tips and relationship advice at CelineRemy.com. That's C-E-L-I-N-E-R-E-M-Y.com. So join us in the sex vault to continue this adventure. Thanks for listening. And remember, you're amazing.